You're listening to the Stellar Life Project podcast. My name is Deborah Stellingworth. I'm obsessed with systems and strategies to help you create a sustainable lifestyle and still enjoy optimal success on your terms in your career or business. The Stellar Life Project is about how we can make a difference in the world, first for ourselves and then for others. I've had successful careers in education and business before my hyperachiever, perfectionist tendencies led me to such extreme burnout that I woke up to find both my health and my marriage in crisis. On my journey to find a better way, I created the Stellar Life Project, which led me to create a coaching business that supports others on their path to establishing a sustainable lifestyle, doing the work they love and generating the income they want. In this podcast, I share from my experience as business owner and coach, and I host conversations with inspiring leaders and business owners to give you the tried and true strategies to help you expand and create your own stellar life. Hi, friends. Welcome back to the Stellar Life Project podcast. I'm your host, Deborah Stellingworth. Today's guest, I am so excited to introduce to you because she is one of the most inspiring people that I know. She is a brilliant businesswoman and a great leader. She's a creative and she's an all-around wonderful person. Being in her presence is like being in a castle full of puppies. She's a professionally certified member of the Society of Graphic Designers of Canada and has a degree in communication design from Emily Carr University. She speaks about plain design best practices at national conferences, and she developed a plain language graphic design curriculum for Simon Fraser University that focuses on clear communication and readability through layout and typography. She has a passion for visually expressing complex ideas. She has designed everything from magazines to museum exhibits and enjoys collaborating with creative and technical teams. Her photographs have been used in print and television news and advertising. She's won multiple industry awards for branding and design, and her obsession with advertising started in childhood when her father would point out clever ads to her. She buys more typefaces than she buys shoes, and her sketchbook is always within reach. I am so pleased to introduce to you my friend, Flora Gordon. Welcome, Flora, to the Stellar Life Project podcast. I am so, so excited to have you here today because you have been such an inspiration to me in the time that I've known you. And I know that you have such an impact on all kinds of people that you work with, that you lead, and people who know you. So I'm just so delighted to have you here. Oh, thank you so much, Deb. I appreciate that. And I also am always inspired by our collaborations and conversation and feel really privileged to have your support. Well, great. Well, let's just dive in. As you know, the Stellar Life Project is about creating a life of optimal success while also supporting a sustainable lifestyle. And most people who are in business, entrepreneurs, have had a a moment where they realized that they wanted to define success on their own terms. And I'd love for you to start us off today by telling us your story. Awesome. Okay, thanks. So I'm a professionally certified graphic designer and I have a little studio that I operate from home and I have a team of other designers working with me. 
And I've always been creative and I just really love what I do. But I did put in my time. You know, I, I went to Emily Carr University and did a degree in communication design. And after that, I studied photography and advertising copywriting at Langara College. And yeah, I've just always been extremely interested in design. And then I also am super keen on business and marketing. And I really love the intersection of where those subjects come together. So yeah, I don't know where to start like story-wise. Well, what I, one of the things I love about you and I think is super fascinating is that you do operate and exist in that intersection of business and creative because there's a lot of creatives who struggle with the business aspect. We know that. And you've been a leader and an inspiration in the community for those people and, and a real example. So take me back to when you realized you wanted to work for yourself and you didn't want to work for somebody else because that's where the business part came in, right? Yeah, I guess I, I never felt like I would really fit in at an agency. Like I have worked for a specialized agency and I have worked in publishing, magazines and technical publishing. But I started to wonder why things operated the way they did. Quite often in the creative field, there isn't a whole lot of leadership training. And I'm not criticizing anyone mm -hmm. I've worked for or worked with. I'm just saying there's a huge emphasis on skill development, like getting those creative skills and then maybe learning some sales skills and a few business skills. But in terms of leadership, I don't really think that that's put forward. And that's a tool that's given to, say, design students or people looking to advance their career in the creative field. So I was always wondering, like, why are things operating the way that they are? Why do we think that someone has to sit in front of a computer for eight or 10 consecutive hours a day and do things exactly a certain way that are actually really not healthy at all? And I started realizing that I would prefer to work more hours than to work, say, eight consecutive hours. And um, I also started realizing like there's certain clients, everybody's got a last minute deadline and everybody's got some project that comes up and some change and that's totally fine. But there are there seem to be certain clients who are just always calling you on the way to the airport mm. where it's always chaos over and over. And it's and I'm thinking, hmm, maybe that's a signal that I might not be the best person to serve their needs. Mm. They might really suit someone who is really in that nine to five structure and who doesn't have a lot of other clients or projects or responsibilities. So I want to find that sweet spot where I can do an amazing job serving my clients, partly because I've anticipated some of their needs up front. Mm. So if they come to me with a project and they start saying, we're going to need this and this and this, if you if I take some extra time to figure out the schedule and to figure out what else they're going to need and and use my experience to kind of detect what problems may come up, that's just going to make it a much smoother process. And also to communicate a lot about, for instance, to meet our schedule, we're going to need to do this and this and this. I'm going to need to get feedback from you on this date in order to deliver on this date. Mm -hmm. So as a creative person, I don't feel like I was naturally inclined this way, but needing to take care of my health and wellness sort of forced me to get organized. Yeah. And I want to go down that path in a second, but I yeah, want to just sure. explore a little bit more about what you said. I want to pull that thread yeah. that you're talking about leadership and 
what you were describing there, setting expectations and clearly communicating boundaries and leading the clients. So many entrepreneurs, regardless of what field they're in, don't realize that they're signing up for a leadership position. And in my coaching, that's what I do a lot of work around is leadership. And and people say, I don't want to be a leader. I don't want to lead a team. Like leadership is not about leading a team. It's about all of those skills of boundaries and expectations and communication that you were talking about. So you said you weren't naturally inclined to that. Was there a model or a, a mentor that you looked to in an organization, someone you knew that where you, where you gained those things from, or was it trial by fire? I think a big part of it was seeing other people struggle and also having worked for people who weren't demonstrating I would say the kind of leadership, like making sure that your employees feel safe and comfortable and are respecting each other. Having been in situations that were uncomfortable and also seeing people say 15, 20 years older than myself, still working until four in the morning. I mean, I'm a night person, but if you don't want to be working until four in the morning all the time and you're that point in the career, like what can I do now? to figure out how to make my next two, five, 10 years more comfortable. Mm -hmm. But I definitely sought out information from Sally Hogshead. So she is an advertising copywriter who got into a lot of research and she looks into, say, personality archetypes and things like that. And I just see her, she's gone from, say, someone working at ad agencies to someone who's doing huge, like, lectures and talks and audiobooks and research and big projects. So she didn't let that definition of how successful can you be as a creative person, she didn't let it stop her from taking on just giant projects and making a name for herself and inspiring others. Mm. And I think that's the lesson in what you've just shared is like her, Sally, you're an innovator too. You looked mm-hmm. at it and said, that's not working. How can I create something that works? Uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah. And yeah. that's one of the reasons that Again, I wanted to have you on this show so that we can let the listeners know that's possible. If you see something that's not working for you, change it. Exactly. Like there's just these things that we accept over and over. And one of the ones that I was accepting until about recently was poor cash flow is just a symptom of Mm. being self-employed. Yes. And that was just in my mind. And I know, Mm. Deb, you've helped me with that a lot. Mm. And It's like, how can I just speak to my clients and explain to them, how can I set up a fee structure with deposits and incremental invoices and things in the contract and schedule? Because I don't want to just choose to go along with this challenge anymore. And I think some people are just stuck because I was stuck in that idea that that was just what's going to happen. It causes an incredible amount of stress. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. You need to be your own leader in all areas when you're an entrepreneur regarding cash flow, lifestyle, nobody's going to tell you not to work till four o'clock in the morning. Totally. Right. You've got to do that yourself. So before we explore what you've done and how you've created the, the lifestyle that, that you wanted so that we can let the listeners get inspired by what's possible. That's why I want to hear about that. And I want you to tell me a little bit about your team, if that's okay, because you work with others as well, and you're teaching these leadership skills to the team of people that you work with. How does that play out for you? Yeah, so that's a great question. And 
I just realized my mom hates it when someone says that's a great question. So she's going to be listening and laughing. That one's for you, mom. Yeah. Love you, mom. But what happens is when people ask me about what it's like to start a team, I kind of describe it like I'm now in such a beautiful place where I feel like I'm so privileged to have the skills and energy and inspiration of super talented people working with me. But when I first started getting other people to help with my work, it was like it took drastically longer than me doing it myself because I didn't know how to document my processes. And it cost more because I'm having to pay out someone's hourly rate and I didn't really value my own hourly rate at that time. And maybe I didn't describe or plan things well enough. So what I describe to people is I think that's the point when most people stop and give up. And they also might be combining that with the fear that someone's going to take their clients and steal their workload and scarcity mentality. When I think it's like the opposite. I think you're showing that there is enough, more than enough, or there can be. And I'm very fortunate to be in that position. So at the beginning, I kind of describe it like it's a swamp. Mm. And I was like, you're in there, the water's up high at your waist and there's vines and branches and you just have to get through that time period to the point where it becomes that someone else is saving you so much time. I was once in Las Vegas and I saw this show and this fellow had trained all these animals like cats and dogs. He had rescued stray cats and dogs. And by the way, I love cats and dogs. So anyway, anything to do with that, it's a compliment. But he had them doing all sorts of really, really amazing trips. And I felt that they were all humane and fair. Mm -hmm. But at the end, he explained, uh, because people were asking, like, how did you get these, these animals to do such amazing tricks? And he said, he actually would observe what the animals were doing naturally. So if one of them liked to scurry off, he would make some trick around that. And the point behind this story is when I work with someone, I want to know what is your what is your natural talent? Like where is the most value that I can get mm-hmm. from you? What projects can I get in that would really excite you and just have you show your absolute best work? Because that's going to get us off to an amazing start. Like we'll just start feeling so positive. And then also what areas are you interested in learning? So if you want to learn a bit of animation, I can try to get some animation projects in. But I'll also know that we need to leave a few extra weeks because you're, you're figuring that out. Maybe mm-hmm. you want to take an online course or can I connect you with a mentor who's already doing animation? So getting those two questions out really has helped me make a stronger collaboration with people working mm-hmm. for me. I love that. And you called it their, their sweet spot where they work really well. They're excited. You know, I call that the zone of genius. And so much of the work that I do in the Stellar Life Project is about helping people get in their zone of genius. And, and when people hear that phrase, they're like, I'm not a genius. I'm not special. And we've talked about this before. You know that I don't mean that you're Einstein or anything, but it's that place where you're really good at it. And this is important on two levels. One is that as a leader, if you have a team, you want to make sure that your people are in their zone of genius and you're empowering them as you do. Why I wanted to have you on the show. You're empowering them to 
stretch themselves within their zone of genius because we get so much more out of people when they're in their zone. And we didn't plan this, ladies and gentlemen, but you led me right into that next question of what would you describe your zone of genius as? Yeah, definitely for me, it's idea generation and just making those creative connections, whether it's actually connecting people, putting people together, or just synthesizing ideas and coming up with just a huge volume of ideas using research and analysis tools to to come up with uh, with something. Like I'll give you an example of see this advertising year after year for an event or something oh, and thinking, hey, that would be challenging for say the ad agency that comes up with that. But I'm going to challenge myself to come up with 10 other ideas you know, by the time I get to my bus stop or something. And just always having that sort of mm-hmm. creative game playing mm-hmm. going on. It just, it's, it's a muscle yes. that, uh, that I've developed. That's a good clue to see if you're in your zone, if you're doing it all the time anyways. It's yeah. something you would do all day long, every day, without getting tired, whether you are getting paid for it or not. And so if you're looking for your zone of genius, listeners in the audience, it's a great way to find it. Flora's going to give us a, a great description of how to, to know when you're in your zone and you're in their flow. Wonderful. Thanks. So... Let's shift gears a little bit. And, you know, we talked about the importance of being in your zone of genius, of growing your leadership skills, whether you're having a team or not, because whether you are leading a team the way you are, empowering your team members to be in their zone, or you're just making sure you're empowering yourself to be in your zone, that leadership's important. And there's another aspect that, that we've talked about and we, I, we mentioned earlier is the, the personal leadership taking care of yourself, creating a sustainable lifestyle. So for you, what does that look like? What did you decide you wanted your life to be when you redefine success? Yeah, I really enjoy serving my clients and I love to take their direction, maybe add a few ideas from my own creativity and add those in. I'm cool with someone telling me what to do, but I realized when I got to a certain level of expertise, I didn't want someone telling me how to do it. I Obviously, if they need a certain file format and a certain methodology, I will follow that. But I found a lot of sort of personal satisfaction over that sort of ownership that I have over my work now and over the work that I do for clients because I'm choosing the best method to do it and I'm using my expertise. So that's another thing is that I think a lot of creative people who are under a manager, that manager may or may not know what the details of what they do and how they do it. But sorry, could we go back to the question again? I just want to clarify mm-hmm. that I'm answering it properly. Well, it was really, a, the question was more about how you defined success on your terms. Oh, yes. And that was a big part. Of, I love what you had to say about that. It's like how you do your work yes. is a part of it. Yes. And deciding who you're going to work with and how you're going to work. And take that further because success on your terms is goes beyond just how you do your work. It's the the lifestyle you want to support. I you know, you know that I've often with great affection referred to you as my friend the vampire. Uh, yes. So tell us about that. Yeah. So I'm naturally really creative and uh but it's I seem to be more energized at night. It's just how I'm how I'm set up. I'm an owl. So, uh, or vampire or what do I else? I get witch, a a few, a few Mm -hmm. things in there. So I definitely wanted to get a work situation where I could work when I was comfortable and when I was 
energized. And obviously during the day, I check in on my clients and make sure my projects are rolling and that they have what they need. But being able to say, take a rest or take a walk during the day, cook healthy food for myself, spend time with my niece and nephew or my parents. To me, that's so valuable. Like, yeah, what am I doing beyond my sort of work responsibilities? And I've also, obviously, prior to COVID restrictions, I was, I, I'm able to do a lot of my work remotely. And so I even, even the, I even like just sitting in different places in my home or at someone else's or visiting relatives. And I've got my laptop so I can do a few hours of work and keep the lights on for my business. But just that flexibility is hugely mm. valuable. And yeah, being able to set my own schedule, rest when I need to. That was the other thing is doing the nine to five. It's kind of, I almost feel like some people can be sh- shamed for have, for needing like a doctor's appointment and things like that. And it's like now the freedom to just do mm-hmm. all the appointments that I need to feel good. It's just amazing. And it's just like a different kind of wealth. Yes. That's that wellness wealth, right? And I, that's the stellar life project for me as well. It's like find, listening to the body. And you're right. There's this sense of this old fashioned version of working hard and success, like being at your desk for eight hours. And there's plenty of research that are showing us that it's not actually working. People aren't as productive when they are chained to a desk for eight or nine hours a day. And what I really love about your approach, and it's always been really an inspiration to me, is that you're listening to your body. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. And we're we're seeing more and more research come out to support this way of approaching work that is different for everyone. We have, I wish I could remember who it is, but one of the women leaders in the world, I think it's Iceland, who's suggesting a three or four day work week would be great for everybody. And, you know, if we can all get on board with that, and, and it's not about working less, but it's working with your rhythms. And whether you're an entrepreneur or you're a leader in an organization, you can support your team, your staff with recognizing what their rhythms are. And this is something that, again, I appreciate about you is that this goes beyond just yourself because I know you offer this for your team as well. How do you manage making sure the work gets done from your team and also supporting them being in their own rhythm for work? Yeah, that's definitely something that I have to keep constantly figuring out and adjusting. But One thing that I ask is that everyone working for me saves all of their files on a shared, say, Dropbox or some Google Drive or something like that. So if it happened, if it so happened that someone else had to take it over, everyone has all the pieces they need. Because I think it's really a myth now of someone being available nine to five, like more and more of us are going to have caregiving responsibilities childcare mm-hmm. responsibilities and and even responsibilities to our own wellness like we've talked about right so making sure that all the files are accessible and i ask that those working for me like does this deadline work for you is this enough time what's realistic and i'll give you an example right now i've got a project client wants something for sales people to give out in a couple weeks and i said you know what i'm going to get you something amazing for you to give out to your sales people in a couple weeks, but, and we're going to get a a small number of copies and get that done. But we want to do more work on this. We want to have it just to that 
exceptional level that we want to give you. So we're going to do a few refinements after, but that just takes the pressure off the deadline. We'll give you something Mm -hmm. temporary and that's going to suit all your needs. And just, yeah, making like smaller, realistic deadlines or yeah, can I get someone a hundred business cards with a logo that we haven't 100% finalized? Can we do that? Yeah, I think that's okay. Mm-hmm. Is it okay for the website to go up and then get a few edits a couple weeks later? Like, what can we do mm-hmm. to to make this work? Speaking with the clients, what do you actually need to launch, to function? What's your priority? Mm-hmm. And one thing that I actually am about to put a little blog post up about or a little Facebook, Instagram post about is actually looking at the very beginning of the project. If there's something like a photo or a logo that isn't high quality enough, addressing all those problems and potential issues right at the beginning so that everybody involved in the project has enough time to get things done. Mm -hmm. What I love about what you just shared was that there's this balancing act between guarding your time and your energy and that of your staff and managing the expectations of the client. Because one of the things that you've heard me talk about before is serving versus pleasing. Because when we get into pleasing mode with our clients, like, sure, sure, I'll do whatever I want. And then we burn out our staff. We burn ourselves out. They're the ones who then are calling you from the airport saying, I need this by, you know, this massive project by tomorrow morning that I've never talked to you about before. So there's a great example. I wanted to just pause on that and illustrate. There's leadership. It's looking in all directions at all aspects of the equation. Yeah, I love that. And what I've been thinking about, for instance, would be say a client gives you a really last minute deadline and you get everything done and they're a good client, so you're not going to charge them some kind of late fee. But you can you can deliver the project and then have a, have a follow-up coffee with them and just politely say like, hey, our normal turnaround time for that's three weeks. And I know we did an awesome job getting it you know we collaborated and it got done within three days but just fyi our normal turnarounds three weeks and in future we might add a rush charge and even here's a couple things that we could do together to prepare for future ones Mm. but just you can be polite but you're just setting it up for the future because the reward for saving the day is often more opportunities to save the day but sometimes that comes at that the expense of personal well-being. Yes. And then you're uh, one of the things again I appreciate about you you're always business person and taking care of yourself and you're leveraging. Yes, I can give a little bit extra value here because it's going to mean more business. And there's that line where you go too far and the cost is personal well-being. And what would you say to our listeners about how to find that balance like you know, balance is a myth. It's it's not a state that you achieve and you're always there. It's this this ebb and flow. But let's use that word anyways because it's people resonate with it. Or maybe I use harmony actually. How do you maintain that harmony? What advice would you give to people who are wanting to make sure they are taking care of themselves while they're growing this business? Because you're a great example of the Stellar Life Project as you can you can have a, a, a business that has success and a sustainable lifestyle. Oh, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Definitely my advice would be to persevere through the stage of training people and creating a lot of documentation so that the information is there. So 
it may mean that you have a couple of projects that aren't super profitable, but you've set a framework for the future that you will not have to do every single part of a project. So for me, I do the really creative part of most of the projects at the very beginning. And then I hand them off to say a typesetter who's going to do so the rest of a magazine or the rest of an annual report once we've established the look. And so that means that I'm spending the time doing what I'm best at. And that's really more energizing because when you're doing what you enjoy, it's like so energizing. I also think at a certain point, there, there's this huge emphasis on people, business people nowadays to be multi-talented. Like you need to know how to, to, to do your bookkeeping and do social media and do all these things yourself. And maybe at the beginning you may need to, but I know I will never be mathematical like the rest of my family. I'm never going to be good at that. So I need someone helping me with, say, taxes, bookkeeping, that kind of thing. And I'm not going to pretend anymore. At a certain point, it's just, I'll meet someone and they'll say, let's say it's a photographer and they'll say, oh, I need business cards done. So I'm going to learn, you know, Adobe InDesign. And I am thinking, don't go buy another software and like find a designer who needs headshots done and, and do a trade or mm. something. Yeah. While I still want people to learn new skills, it's just like, there's no point to learn another software that's not even relevant to your mm -hmm. work. The time we spend outside of our zone of genius is not time well spent. Because if you're in your zone of competence or excellence or even your zone of incompetence, like you're wasting time. So I'm always about getting people more into your genius because if we can have you doing the things that only you do and the things that only you do best, then that's the the best way to grow your business. And one of the things that I want to highlight for the audience in what you said too was the importance of making sure that you take the time to plan for the future, to train somebody, to do that icky work. A lot of leaders come to me whether they're entrepreneurs or they're wanting to grow their business or they're leaders in corporate organizations and wanting to grow their leadership skills. And they don't want to go through that painful period of training somebody yes. and training them up because it's, it's uncomfortable. It's like, you know, I'm looking at the beautiful walls here in the studio mm -hmm. and they're painted, but they wouldn't look so good if they hadn't been primed first. Right? That's lovely. I love that metaphor. Yeah, right? And we have to take the time to prime the walls and do the prep work so that you can then just ease back into your zone of genius and give away the stuff that doesn't light you up. That's, that's, that's excellent. And I also wanted to add that I use a lot of my experience and even intuitive skills to look at projects that are being sent my way. And am I going to do an amazing job with this project? Is this enough time for me to serve someone? If they need a logo and business cards and packaging within three weeks, I'm not, I'm not their person. Mm -hmm. I had someone call me about a project the other day and a friend of mine, a colleague of mine who's absolutely brilliant, has just done something for a nearly identical project. And I said, you know what? You got to speak to her. Mm -hmm. She has already done all the groundwork for this. And I can tell that's going to be a perfect match. And that's a big part of having like a trusted group of people that you're connected with. It, it makes it easier to say no as well. Mm -hmm. Again, that, that planning for the future is like when you want to say no, what are you going to do with them? 
And what you said there reminds me of what you said earlier about listening to your body. Your body needs to work at certain times, take breaks at certain times. And your body will tell you. And one of the things that, again, you, I appreciate you. I keep saying I appreciate you because I really, really do. You're such an inspiration to me and so many people. And, you know, you're the real deal. You're so authentic with how you show up in the world and you use your intuition. I know for even in your branding, you did some lettering for me and it took some time to just like, you're just feeling your way and you found the perfect fonts. And, and it was an exciting, exciting experience to, to go through that with you. And there's another aspect of listening to your body. What feels good? Do I want to do this? And for some of our listeners, because I straddle the, 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 the field between neuroscience and cognitive behavior science and a little bit more what people would call woo, which I used to be really uncomfortable with, but there's that element of listening to your intuition, which is really just, it's not magic. It's not crazy out there stuff. It's just the ability to make high level connections. and listen to what your body is telling you with the making of the connections. And so when you said, listen to your body, does this feel good? Do I want to do it? Yeah, so absolutely. And having either a written or a sort of mental checklist and what you need in a client. So if a client comes to you and says, you're the sixth or eighth graphic designer that I've tried. Alarm bells. Alarm bells. However, as you know, lately, I have fun with that one because I like to be the one person that was, if I can, if I think that I can help them, I'd like to be the, yeah. the eighth and final oh. designer. Yes. <laughs> and sometimes you are the one that can help them because yes. maybe they were looking to do it on the cheap and hadn't quite found what they were looking for. Because I know I've referred people to you who first tried to go through Fiverr or something like that and nothing yeah. wrong with Fiverr. Yeah. Um, it serves its needs. Right? Serves its purpose and you get a certain level. And then they're like, they wanted to save money, so they go there, and then they come back to me. Clients of mine are like, "Oh, that didn't work." I'm like, so "You ready to talk to Flora now?" Oh, right. <laughs> so it's the intuition that you bring in to that work and listening to whether you want to do the job for that eighth client mm-hmm. or not is, and you're in this unique position too, where you have created a business that you've got a little space to play like that, for sure. Right, for sure. and you've got the expertise and knowledge of people now. That you're like, okay, this is what happened here. I think I can manage these people. For sure. And in all of this, I don't want to suggest, like, I've definitely had my share of mistakes and Mm -hmm. issues. And I mean, I always try to make it right for clients as much as possible. But I think there is a fear of the same fear that, say, bringing someone to work with you, that they're going to take your clients or something like that. The same type of fear is if you say no to one of your regular clients because a project will not suit you or fit in your schedule. I think they will respect you more, especially if you give tools and instructions and help to set the next person up, maybe recommend someone you mm-hmm. that you trust. They're going to respect you more than if you take it on and are not able to do a good job. Mm-hmm because of the time or you know what I mean you 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 did it off the side of your desk and I was saying I was the yes person for so long and I said at a certain point like, I want to have a better level of service than this I want to have a better product for my clients mm-hmm. and that's something that a lot of leaders struggle with is even if you're in leadership role, being the yes person yes we can do that we can do that and again pleasing versus serving so when you can learn to say nope I'm not the person for you. There's such a a freedom in that. 
And it goes back to what we were talking about before, guarding your lifestyle and your wellness and your health. And so let's change directions a little bit and tell me about what's important for you. So what are your non-negotiables, your rituals, if you will, around self-care? Because I always find it's really helpful to share those because somebody might hear it and go, oh, that's something that really feels like it would work for me too. I'm going to add that to my routine. So tell us what your self-care routine is. Yeah. So one thing I do, I definitely journal every day. I write down gratitude and progress that I've made uh, in different areas of my life and kind of, kind of like almost like self-praise. Another thing that I do, if I know I've got a long period of time of work ahead of me, I actually, you need to take regular breaks. My eye doctor is always saying something about 20 minutes looking 20 feet away or something. I, mm-hmm. I don't even know what it is, but that's get it. Get up from mm-hmm. your, okay, okay, good. Get up from your computer, look away. So what I actually do is because I work from home is I often alternate. I get something done and then I go for a little walk or I do a chore or something, even just like unload the dishwasher. But you got up from your desk. How do you remind yourself to do that? Because I know that I've oh, yeah. struggled with that. I can get into the zone and be sitting there for hours. And what are the techniques you use to get yourself up out of the chair? Oh, yeah. I find that I generally remember like I but um, I I think writing down a list of what I need to do. So soon when I've crossed one off, okay, it's time to Mm. get up and stretch and walk around the block or yeah, do something like that. Um, Make a healthy snack Um, because definitely when I was working in the office, it's definitely that trap that like junk food is all around and that people were Okay, definitely myself. I was definitely using treats and things like that to lift my mood mm-hmm. all the time. So um, how can I, yeah, having having healthy treats uh, available, like um, snacks and things that are actually not going to remove energy from my system. And yeah, taking walks, taking breaks, uh, and also making time to do something creative every day like even if it's just taking Mm -hmm. some fun photos for instagram or now i've been cooking and i've been trying to learn a little bit of food photography for fun so i've got my my camera's always out so i can just grab it and take Mm -hmm. a really cool food picture and yeah definitely and i also find that a lot of satisfaction in helping other people so even if someone doesn't think that they have a lot of money or time to give there's a lot of things you can do to help lift someone else up and the improvement they'll see in the mood is contagious. Mm. So, yeah. Wonderful. What are the, what's your favorite go-to if you just need to recharge? Ah, uh, yeah. I definitely like to um, go um, like jogging around my neighborhood and uh, like I let, I let myself stop and take photos of whatever strange things people have put in mm. the alley in East Van or Which you can see if you go on to Flora's Instagram uh, account, which is... It's at Flora Gordon. It's just my name spelled out. Yeah. Yeah. So you'll see some of my uh, East Van adventures. But I just find when I'm outside and exercising and things like that, it's hard to think about the project and things like that. And turning notifications off on the phone for for that time period as Mm -hmm. well. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. This has been so cool having you here today, Flora. It's been great. So can you tell us, how can people find you? How can they get in touch with you if they want to work with you? 
Yeah, my website is my name, just Flora Gordon um, dot design. And there's a contact form on there. I'm also on Instagram at Flora Gordon. I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook as well. So uh, I'd love to to connect with people. And yeah, what's the hashtag for the uh, the dogs of? Oh yeah, so I love to photograph the dogs outside a grocery store right where I li- where I live. So if you go on Instagram and you look at hashtags, hashtag dogs of Save On Foods. It's all one word. You'll see uh, one of my little uh, fun side projects mm-hmm. with uh, pr- definitely over a hundred dogs now. Yeah, it's yeah. always fun to see that. And and she, Flora, you actually live what you preach, for lack of a better word. It's like you are doing creative things outside of your work, and it'd be really easy to say, "Well, that's my job, so I'm going to be over here doing these things." And you've really blended it into your life. So we're going to end today with some rapid fire questions so people can just uh, get to know you a little bit better and um, they're just kind of fun. So here we go. Ready? Yes. Favorite place to visit? Oh, Manhattan. Ooh. Zodiac sign. Capricorn. Scariest thing you ever did? Oh, oh what's this? It's start my own business. <laughs> Yep, that can be scary. Non-negotiable self-care ritual. Oh yeah, journaling for sure. Okay. Yeah. Book you were most inspired by. It's like that one book that if you were tasked to be the librarian of Mars and yeah. you could only take one book with you, what would it be? Oh. Oh, I don't know about rereading because I don't really reread books that often, but I love that Sally Hogshead How to Fascinate. How to Fascinate? Yeah. I haven't read it, and what yeah. a fascinating title. I hope I have the title exactly right, but if you okay. look up Fascinate. Okay, so we'll make sure that we get that right in the show notes if, if we don't have it accurate. So How to Fascinate by Sally Hogshead. Yeah. Cool. If you were a city, who would you be? What city? I think I would be Portland because I'm a little weird, but cool. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Success leaves clues. What's one clue you would leave for others so they could have a stellar life? Mm, I'm not sure I 100% understand that. Mm, okay. Well, that's good news for me. I can work on that later. Sorry. Success leaves clues. So our audience members, if they're trying to start a business or grow as leaders or whatever, or have, a, have a more sustainable lifestyle, they don't have to figure it out on their own because you have already nailed it and uh, you had the success. So what clue would you want to leave for somebody else? Yes. Okay. Can I give this a second of thought? But I definitely think that that some people have this idea that they're going to sit in front of their computer and kind of generate all the business leads that they need and say when you get those cold messages on LinkedIn or things like that. But I think when you come from the perspective of wanting to genuinely help people and connect with them offline as well, you're going to, the, the business is just going to come to you. Yeah. Connect, connect, connect. That's how we grew our relationship. Um, and um, yeah, definitely great, great advice. And something you haven't done yet that's on your dream list. Mm, so I would like to eventually be nominated for a fellowship with the Graphic Designers of Canada. So uh, it's the certification FGDC. And there's only like a handful of people in in Canada who've earned this honor for leadership and philanthropy and contribution to graphic design as a profession in Canada. So 
Beautiful. Well, now you've spoken it out into the universe and I will be there to celebrate with you when it happens. I love that. Appreciate all your support. Thank you. We got two more. What would you call? So I called my life the Stellar Life Project, you know, when I was doing a transition and transformation in my career and my life. And if you were to put a title on your life, what would you call it? I always have this thing, castle full of puppies, because puppies are so happy and they, you, it's hard to be upset around a puppy. So it was like there would be so many puppies I could just hand people one if they were having a bad time. It's like, come over. Have a puppy. Have a puppy. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. That, and that feeling of castle full of puppies, that is the feeling that you give when I'm with you. So thank you for that. Okay, final one. This is the one that everything hinges on and your answer will determine whether or not we can continue to be friends. Star Trek or Star Wars? Oh, oh, I would say Star Wars. Awesome. Uh, just for it having like the kind of innovation that it had at the time, even things like motion graphics and, and movie titles and things like that, that they did were, were really innovative at the time. Cool. I was joking about that being the right or wrong. Answer. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Flora, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, You've been listening to the Stellar Life Project podcast with Flora Gordon. We will leave her contact information in the show notes so that you can get in touch with her. She is somebody you want to be connected with. Thank you so much, Deb. I really appreciate your kind words and the opportunity to speak today. Thanks, Flora.